welcome to the latest episode of Rounds Rant. I am back again for a solo episode. Yeah, so last solo one I did was the Portugal Valdelobo experience. It's now got over 14,000 listens, so it's one of the top listened to podcasts I've ever released out of the 39 or 40. I think this is my 40th, so thank you very much for everyone who's listened to that. I couldn't believe that me talking absolute gargle about Ryanair and Craig Cusack would get so many listens, but there you go. Um, also, thank you very much for all the new patrons over the last few weeks. It's slowly but surely coming along nicely. If you're not sure not sure what that actually is, it's basically a page that's connected and there's links on all my podcasts to a place where you can pretty much donate anywhere between one euro to 20 euro a month. And as I said, most people do a euro, which is absolutely fine. It's better than nothing. And if many people can do that, it will certainly make my life a lot easier and also improve this podcast because there's stuff like video and stuff like that I want to start doing more regularly. And that makes editing a lot harder, but it also means I need to buy a good camera rather than just do it on my iPhone and look terrible. So thank you for everyone who's reached out and donated. As I said, it's essentially 10 euro a year. So as I said, you spend that on one drink on a night out. So why not put it to me and my stupid podcast? Anyway, just the thought, no pressure. Coming up in the podcasts, I have a World Cup rugby preview with Charlie Morgan from The Telegraph. Looking forward to that. Robert Whitaker, UFC champions coming on. I'm having a Saracens and English International on in two weeks' time, which would be interesting enough. And then I've one, one or two other guests as well, an actor and hopefully a musician coming on. So they'll be they'll be quite interesting uh, episodes, hopefully. And then from a solo point of view, I think I will do a holiday special next, but that won't be for another month or so. But um, yeah, so the vast majority of this would be about my school days. But before I get into that, people were asking after my rant about Ryanair, people were wondering what terrible experiences I've had flying or what was the worst and the worst I ever had, just to summarize, was from Dublin to LA, Ethiopian Airlines, about four years ago. We were going through Skyscanner and we looked at all the prices and suddenly we suddenly realized, oh, hang on, there's Ethiopian Airlines here. It's direct from Dublin to LA, LAX. And it was so cheap. It was like 400 quid and everything else was like eight, 900 quid, even a grand. And I was like, lads, this is no brainer. This is brilliant. So we booked it without hesitation because when you're 21, you want to save as much money as possible on these holidays. So we're like, grand. Then we looked up reviews after a few days later. Well, I looked up reviews and I sent it to the WhatsApp group and I was like, lads, look at this. And like the reviews were terrible. People slating the airline being like, the food's a disgrace, delay after delay, pilots and staff are ignorant, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, it can't be that bad. So I go into YouTube, type in Ethiopian Airlines, and the first thing I type in, and like obviously it's quite irrelevant, but the first thing I see is Ethiopian Airlines crash. And there's like four different videos of Ethiopian Airlines crashing. There's a terribly graphic um, picture of, I'm pretty sure it's a cargo plane, Ethiopian Airlines cargo plane being hijacked. 
and it more or less crashes into the sea about 100 meters from the beach, which is petrifying. So they were sent around into WhatsApp groups. And to be fair, all of us were like, Jesus, it looks awesome. <laughs> looks like a good time. But the flight itself it lived up to the reviews. It was an hour and a half delay. Once we got onto the plane itself, the people from Ethiopia. So how it works is they fly from Ethiopia to Dublin, have a stopover for like two hours, and then they fly straight to LAX. But the thing is, the people in Ethiopia don't actually get off the plane. So for like an hour, an hour and a half, they just sit on the f- plane while all the Irish people are just coming on. Be like, yeah, LA, Key, uh, California, sicko, look at my beater from pennies, like. And they're just there going, sorry, I've been in this microwave for the past eight hours. Now I'm going to be in it for another 10 hours. Can you just sit down, please? But yeah, we get on after an hour and a half. The place stinks. Like, it's it's fully <laughs> one of my mates accurately described it as a pirate ship that's a fair way of assessing it because you go in it stinks half of the people are drenched in sweat because the air conditioning was terrible yeah like what really annoyed me and i hate flying i'm terrified of it because if anything goes wrong you're in this massive tin can that's going to plummet to earth or into the sea and you're going to be obliterated into six thousand pieces and in the off chance you survive a la castaway tom hanks you're either number one going to lose your marbles or else be stuck out at sea and get eaten by a tiger shark. So anyway, back to my point. There was turbulence so much. So I'd say about 20, 30% of the flight was turbulence, which like, don't get me wrong. I'm not an idiot. Turbulence is essentially like driving on a, a bad road or something like that, where it's just maybe a, a rocky road or like a cobblestone road where like the, car starts shaking it's nothing serious it's not going to kill you but like it feels like it could kill you and also it's preventable so just fly under or above it or just slightly change your path of flying but these pilots were like nah 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 let's rally into the turbulence as much as we can and go up and down and like it was so strong at times that people were spilling drinks and stuff on the floor but um yeah the staff were a disgrace um, I remember I fell asleep, which is tough a tough thing to do on a plane. Fell asleep, and one of the air hostess slapped me in the back of the head because I was unresponsive. And I wake up, and I was like, Gee, oh, sorry, what? And then she just handed me my dinner. And when I mean handed me my dinner, she kind of unclicked the kind of the desk you have or the little table, the fold-out table. And she uh, then just slams it down in front of me and then walks off. And I was like so disorientated that I was kind of getting to grips. I was like, did she just slap me in the back of the head? And I turned around to my mate who's in the row behind me for consultation. I was like, did she just slap me in the head? And he was like, yeah, fully did. And um, yeah, I didn't go near the food. Like you wouldn't feed it to a starving stray cat uh, that you'd find off Henry Street. Um but yeah, then once we, f- uh, sorry, we land in LAX, everyone's like, thank God that's over. Get on the runway, we pull up to the, near enough to the gate we were meant to leave. And lo and behold, we just kind of stop. And we're there, I can see the airport, I can see the the steps and stuff like that being outside the doors. And I was like, all right, any minute now. We waited 45 minutes to leave the plane. 
And at, so after 45 minutes, like people were standing up going like, what the hell is going on? People were asking air hostess. There was some visibly pissed off fat American who was like, hey, can we not just get off the bloody plane? Man, I've been waiting here for 40 minutes. This is ridiculous. And lo and behold, we then move forward a meter after 45 minutes. No word of a lie. We move forward one meter and then suddenly the doors pop open and everyone gets off the plane. And like I forgot to ask, but I was under the impression that the pilots just forgot to go that extra meter so they couldn't connect the stairs and whatever needs be to the doors. So Ethiopian Airlines, I'm telling you, if you, you want a, a bit of crack, just type in Ethiopian Airlines to Google and or even YouTube and the amount of horrible, horrible reviews you read is pretty gas. But no, apart from that, nowhere really else sticks out. Flyby, I got that back from Wales to Dublin, and like you'd be better off having a crack in a Volkswagen Golf across uh, the bloody Irish Sea than going to one of them. The propellers are barely functional, and the thing... It's, I don't even know if it's classified as an airplane. It just, it just, it, I don't even know if it flies. It just, it just about gets you from A to B in this case. But no, Ethiopian Airlines, look at the reviews. Um, then the last thing I did before I'd get into these stupid stories, things that interest me at the minute. Um, a few people asked me, like someone was like, oh, what are you reading? What's your favorite film at the minute? Anyway, as I said, the build-up to the Rugby World Cup is definitely something I'm very intrigued by. I'm looking forward to doing this podcast on it. going to do a good bit of research, talk about all the teams, who could be good, who could be bad, what are the key players, what are the trends going into it, blah, blah, blah. Football season being back is brilliant. Premier League, it's it literally feels like yesterday that the Champions League final was on, and lo and behold, we're back, back to the very start of the season. Um podcast bernie sanders on joe rogan i thought was one of the more exceptional ones to date uh jerry flannery had one with joe.ie which was brilliant as well um then the new tarantino films out in a few days i think uh haven't read too much into it because i don't like looking at loads of trailers then eventually reading spoilers and kind of find out what actually happens in the film but no in tarantino he it looks like it could be the closest thing to Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs because his last film, what was it, The Hateful Eight, was meh. It was for him. It was meh. It was pretty long, pretty boring. So I'm hoping this gets him back to the top of the game, which we know he's capable of doing. And yeah, apart from that, not much else on my mind. So I bet best just get straight into this. Like school stories, people were just like, just tell us all the stories you potentially have. I will be doing impressions of teachers, but that's only for my Patreon subscribers. So if you want to hear the impressions of every teacher in my school, or even like <laughs> characters from my school days, it's going to cost you a euro. Well, actually 80 cent. So on my Patreon, you get sent a link of this full podcast while... For people listening on SoundCloud, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts and stuff like that, the few minutes of me doing impressions will be cut out, unfortunately. But I think it's the only way I can do it to entice people to donate. So get donating, fellas. 
or else forever wonder who I did impersonations of. But yeah, loads of people are asking, like, what's the earliest school memory you have? And that's just like a terrible question because it's similar to the terrible question I ask people that come on my show. I go, oh, what's your earliest childhood memory? It's pretty much just a filler question to get get people warmed up. But like, no word of a lie, the earliest memory I have, I'll say for St. Michael's, was when I joined in third year. The good thing is in second class, no, sorry, I joined in third class, excuse me, not third year. In second class, when I was in another school, I did the Michael's summer camp or it could have been Easter camp. So I was like the outsider with all the Michael's lads and they were like, who's this Richie guy? He's completely mental. And that kind of made my transition as the new kid a bit easier when I eventually joined in September. But about a week into third class, I remember I found this hat, one of those kind of Irish caps you'd have, like, I can't even, like paddy caps. And I just grabbed this, put it on my head, and I thought it'd be a good idea to jump on the table and just start dancing around to Irish music, screaming Paddy O'Shea, na na na, Paddy O'Shea, na na na. So I did that for a while, and lo and behold, the teacher comes in and starts screaming at me. and goes, get down, get down, get down. And I went, no, 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 no. I was like, Paddy O'Shea, na na na, Paddy O'Shea, na na na. Started doing this Irish dancing, um, obnoxious behaviour, really. And eventually, she like more or less had to grab me and bring me down to the principal who suspended me. And suspensions back then are a bit loose, as in, it's not a case of, oh, get your parents in, make it all official. They're like, right, you're suspended for the day. Go sit with senior infants for the day and just have them look at you like you're some sort of zoo animal. So that's what I had to do. I had to go to senior infants for the day, sit on a desk in the corner, and like it's honestly as if you're at a zoo and I'm the like animal in the enclosure and people are just staring at you, just being like, look, there he is, there he is, look, there he is. You just have that for the whole day. Yeah. And the thing was, my parents eventually did find out and went bananas at me. And it was such a stupid thing to get technically suspended for. And then I tried to keep my head down for the next few weeks. And then Christmas rolls around. And funny enough, that year, during Christmas I'll never forget it so me and my brother Mark were waiting up all night to catch Santa coming in so we were like oh if we wait up all night surely we're going to see Santa and my mom kept coming in going oh lads would you not go to bed you know Santa I don't know if he's going to come if he knows you're awake he doesn't want to see you and we're like no 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 we're going to wait up and we're going to find Santa. And like, I was like, I want to have words with Santa. I want to talk to him about my presence last year. So my mom played it off. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. But like, she fully didn't realize we were going to wait up all night. So it gets to like five in the morning and my mom gets visibly stressed. She's like, guys, go to bed. Santa's not going to come. And we're like, no, we're staying up, we're staying up. And it starts getting, it starts building from an intensity point of view. And then about 20 minutes later, uh, you can hear my mom and dad chatting downstairs, obviously being like, what the hell do we do? Need to get the stuff from next door, stuff out of the boot. And the lads are going to see us and we're all, uh, our cover's blown. So 10 minutes later, I remember our mom came up to check if we were asleep and we were wide awake 
And then she just snapped and goes, Santa's not fucking real. Go to bed, okay? I'm Santa, so's David. There is no Santa Claus. He's fake. We made him up. So I, my jaw dropped. My brother Mark started bawling his eyes out. Uh, started screaming at her. I was so appalled at the system being created. And it's a system I will be a part of if I ever have kids. Millions and millions, well, billions of people use us as a evil, evil idea to create this fictional character who is the goat to go around and give you presents. So I was pissed off at that. So the next time we had school, which was about 10 days later, I walk in. I'm still fresh off my disappointment of Santa being being essentially my parents, which it was. And uh, I remember I come into class and I was like, oh, how's Christmas? How's Christmas? I was like, it was terrible. They're like, why? And I was like, because uh, you know that guy Santa Claus? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He got me a PS2. I was like, did he now? Well, he's not real. He's fake. He's your parents. So I started spreading that rumor around. And people were in tears. Nick McCarthy, I remember he actually started crying when I told him Santa wasn't real, which is quite quite fair on his behalf. And I was t- telling other people, I remember I got punched in the chest very hard. I don't know who it was, but I was like, oh, by the way, Santa's not real. And I got punched in the chest and I was very sore from it. But yeah, yet again, get brought down to the principal. And the great thing was, I kind of then had the upper hand in this situation because they were like, why are you going around saying Santa's not real? And I went, because my mom screamed at me going, Santa's not effing real. Go to bed. It's just me and your dad. So once I told them that story, they didn't really have a leg to stand on. Um, But yeah, I remember that. That's definitely a regret I have. It was quite harsh of me to take liberties into my own hands and just go around to a bunch of like what even age you then you're nine like 10 year olds being like santa's not real so i apologize for all affected by that but ultimately i was i was preparing you for the disappointment that was coming in the not too distant future Jeez, third class the more i think of it there was a lot going on like a guy in my class called uh, greg murphy sharpened his finger so, you know, the, the obsession people used to have with sharpening pencils or rubbers or even Tipex. If you had Tipex uh, in the class, you were you were high profile. Like if you had Tipex, you were the man. And like everyone always just be like, could I just get some Tipex, please? And you'd be like, Grant, there you go. There's some Tipex. It's a valuable as- asset. But yeah, anyway, Greg, he got a sharpener. And you know the way some sharpeners used to have kind of the big and the small sizes? So this one had the two. It had the big size and the small size for big pencils and small pencils. And he stuck his finger in the big one, twisted it, and his whole nail, his whole nail just got cut off and blood just started squirting everywhere. And the teacher starts, like, getting distressed. And is like, oh, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? And then lo and behold, he just faints faints in the middle of the class pandemonium ensues ensues i should say and uh it made me realize jesus christ don't sharpen your bloody finger slash nail ever again 
And I didn't obviously take no from that because a week later, being like the new kids, you have to kind of work your way up the ladder. But there was a stage where we were in the yard and me and Bobby, a friend of mine, were doing these challenges. So it was like, oh, you can't do this or you can't, you know, get take 15 dead arms without telling someone to stop. But it escalated into like a jackass scenario where it got to the point where I was dared to lick bird shit off the floor. Fresh bird shit, by the way. And I was like, yeah, Grant, Grant. And Bobby, being a sensible human being, was like, I'm not doing that. That's insane. So I ended up licking the bird poo. I felt horrible. I got sick in the toilet. And um, our PE teacher at the time, uh, more or less just goes, uh, Rich, if I told you to jump off a cliff, would you do it? And I was like, no, I remember this so vividly. I was like, no, why would I jump off a cliff? And he's like, well, you're just after licking bird poo. So what am I to say? I was like, well, like, if I jump off a cliff, I'm going to die. If I eat bird poo, I'm just going to feel terrible. And the PE teacher shook his head and just walked off in disgust. And being so disgusted, I should say. Um, but yeah, I got off school for two days, which was a bit of a blessing in disguise. But yeah, those are my kind of junior school memories. I remember just pandemonium, really. Um, and then senior school, the way I looked at it was, for the first three or four years, I I wouldn't say I was cheeky, but I definitely wasn't mature, as mature as the rest of my year. But I think from fifth year to sixth year bar one or two classes i was a bit more screwed on if that makes sense but yeah i'm trying to think here like i've wrote down a few things like i'm not going to mention teachers names i'll give them nicknames and i might make references but i'm not going to name and shame anyone um but if they're say retired or done sure I can name and shame can't I but like some of the stuff I think of is like the trips away so I remember in first year we went to Killery Adventure Centre which the more I look back on the more of a fiasco it seemed to be where you had like 90 lads stuffed into an Adventure Centre the staff seemed incompetent Uh, they had these little barriers against the windows in every room that if you kicked hard enough, you could actually break and uh, basically run off wild into the night, which is what more or less every room did. Uh, They also had a midgy room. So if you were caught chatting in the middle of the night or wandering around the corridors, you'd have some guy just be like, sorry, go uh, to the front desk and go into the room. It was the midgy room. There was like 500,000 midgies in the room that they'd make you sit in on your own for about an hour and you got bitten alive. And then you were just brought back to the room, a scarred and broken man in which everyone then who saw you would just be like, right, don't mess. Or else you go into the midgy house. Other bits, like I remember we went to an art museum and this was for the Leaving Cert art. And like art's such an interesting subject as in like it is very interesting to do and learn about and you do all these tours and stuff like that but we went to this art museum 
and we were in the gift shop after and we were just kind of messing around because I think it was like half one and everyone knew that if we bluffed around enough, we could probably get back at around three, half three and miss all the full day of school rather than having to do the last class or two. And our teacher starts going, lads, lads, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And everyone started ignoring the teacher. And the guy behind the cash register who worked in the in the gift shop just kind of turns around and looks at everyone and then he goes, eh, lads, you better listen to your teacher there. And everyone kind of turns around and starts looking at him and goes, I'm going to have to uh, put the foot in. I might have to take charge. I was just kind of staring at us in a kind of Vinnie Jones way. As in like, what's he going to do? If we don't listen to our teacher, is he going to rip off his shirt to show off this eight-pack Arnold Schwarzenegger physique in which he's going to physically punch us all to death? No, probably not. I still recite that to this day. I'm going to have to take charge. And I was like, no, you're not going to take charge, mate. You quite literally have a name tag, a shirt, and you're working behind a bloody desk at shit gift shop in which your best customers are a bunch of fifth years um there was also a surf trip down i don't think it was carlinford it was somewhere else i don't know the place is shut down by the way but anyway the guy who was in charge of it basically looked like the comic book guy out of the simpsons and he had this like coke no it was not it was a oh he was wearing like a weird Hawaiian sh- shirt with pineapples and coconuts and stuff. And when he walked in, people were just kind of laughing at the fact that he was ginger, overweight, and wearing a ridiculous shirt. And he kind of alluded to the fact that he had a terrible shirt when he'd be like, yeah, guys, I get it. It's just pineapple. It's just pineapple. And lo and behold, the three days we spent there was more or less a front row seat of a man in the midst of a mental breakdown. Like by the end of it, by the end of it, he more or less was just telling us to leave. Like there was a lot of messing going on. Things were broken. There was boxing matches going on at like two in the morning. People were stealing other people's stuff from bedrooms. It was it was just a complete fiasco. The place shut down two months after. But the guy, yeah, he was basically the comic book guy and he, he just completely lost it. Um, which still to this day, I remember so vividly. Um, but yeah, like a, it's so hard to try get it all into one. So like if you think of St. Michael's thing that stick out like Fitzy's class. So for the one year, there was this guy, Mr. Fitzpatrick. He came in like for anyone who doesn't know this, if you are a new teacher and you come in, you basically have one minute to either establish yourself as the dominant alpha male or female, or else you come across as a weak link. If there's anything our class could gravitate towards or use against you, we'd sniff it out in a minute. So, like, he walks in, was kind of like, guys, 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 keep it down, please. My name's Mr. Fitzpatrick. And... First and foremost, everyone's kind of looking around going, this guy's accent's a bit bit off here. And I'd say after 30 seconds, he goes, okay, guys, take out your textbooks. And once he goes, text, people just looked around and was like, right, we have this guy. 
And to follow that up, 10 seconds later, he goes, uh, guys at the back there, can you close out the window? That's a bit nippy here. So in the space of one minute, he'd given us a few things. Number one, his nickname was going to be Text. So every time he walked into the class, people would just be like, Text. And then also he has his little catchphrase of, it's a bit nippy, can you close the window? So we used that against him for about two months. Eventually, we came around to the fact that the guy was actually a nice bloke and trying to do his job, and we went easy on him. But for the first eight weeks, our classes consisted us consisted of us screaming text, being hippie, our fitzy, Adam, for eight weeks, or else we were doing the ring of fire. So da, 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 da. we'd do that and take off our jumpers and jump on tables and swing around. Um, but later on, a few years later, I remember chatting to some of the teachers at the time, and they were like, this teacher, Fitzy, thought he basically played it off as if all his class were going great. So people would hear the mayhem going on in his classes, and then after, they were like, oh, Fitzy, how, how are you settling? He's like, great, great, all the classes, so good, when everyone knew it was a complete circus in there. But that's definitely a, a class I will not forget. Another one would be Sid's class. Infamous. The current generation isn't aware of what that was. It was pure and utter mayhem. So examples would be Digger would pretend he would be a ghost in class. So he'd go up to Sid and just be like, I'm invisible. And Sid would be like, can you please sit down, Mr. Dagan? Please sit down. And Digger would just stare at him and just be like no 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 you can't see me like John Cena stuff pretend he's a ghost and Sid couldn't do anything and there was other examples of when he would spell stuff on the board it'd be like uh, sir how do you spell precipitation he'd be like well to be frank P-E-R precipitation and I'd be like excuse me and he'd be like I'll say it again P-E-R precipitation so, like, that's not spelling something. That's just giving you kind of 20% and then just pronouncing the remainder of the word. But he did that for more or less every spell and he wasn't quite sure of, which was gas. Then those stuff like people would bring in those red lasers. So he'd be up on the whiteboard and people would be shining lasers around the place. He would then turn around and be like, unless someone owns up to the fact that there's a red laser in this class, we will not be doing any more work. And people just kind of look around and go, right, fair deal. Let's not do anything for the next 20 minutes. And then people would slyly be shining lasers at his private parts. And it just, it got to the stage where he was a broken man. And famously, his last words, no word of a lie. And there's several people who can back up this statement. His last words were, so it was the last day before his retirement. We didn't know it at the time, but... There was like one minute left of class. People were packing up and I was at the front of the class and he just looks me in the eye and goes, Mr. Allen. And I kind of look up and I was like, yeah, yes, sir. And he goes, you're going nowhere in life. And then lo and behold, the bell goes beep, beep, beep. And he goes off, walks away, never to be seen again. Those words still ring in my ears late at night. That was his last ever. Like a, another example would be he used to show this video about like V-shaped valleys or something. He was geography class mostly. And he'd shown us like 10 times. But in our class, 
few of the lads had brought in straws and started having those rockets. So like the saliva drenched paper rockets where you'd just be like <laughs> and they started firing at the TV. So by the end of the class, the entire TV, much to uh like Sid didn't have a clue it was there, the whole TV was covered in rockets. Just wet pieces of paper. It's disgusting. What else is there? Like blow ups, I'm trying to think. Like we were doing our mocks, um, our arse exam. And how it works is you have two hours at the start of the day to do like still life and then two hours to do your poster. And it's just mocks, sixth year mocks, I'm pretty sure, fifth or sixth year. Actually, no, sixth year mock exams. We did the still life at the start of the morning, did it for two hours. And then we had like an hour and a half break. And basically, I convinced the entire class, well, I'd say about 80% of the class, to go to Nando's in town. And they were like, Rishi, I don't know. It's a bit of a, mm, I don't know. Like, it's going to be a bit tight. And I'm like, what are you talking about? We'll be in and out in an hour. And the thing about art is when you're doing your poster, you can't study first. So, like, you can't cram for an hour. It's all, like, you just do it in the time allocated to you. You can't, like, study to prepare yourself to draw better. So we go into town, go into the Nando's, have an Nando's, we leave, and there's like 20 minutes before the start of the mocks. Lo and behold, we took a few wrong turns. We end up getting back about 25 minutes after the allocated time, and we're about 25 minutes late for our mocks. It's already started. There's four or five of the class already in there on time. And as we're pulling into the school, I'm like, lads, listen, if we all stick together, we'll be all right. And as I was giving this speech, uh, I was in the passenger seat. One of the lads in my class opens the back door of the car and just starts sprinting, just sprinting towards the art room. And I was like, come back, come back. So everyone just scatters, every man for himself type buzz. And I ended up being the last person to go into the mock. Everyone was late and everyone's sitting down. So I walk in. And the teacher's like, Richie, what the hell's going on? And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And the teacher was like, I know it was you. Get out of my class. And I was like, what? And she goes, I know it was your idea. So get out. You're not sitting your mock. I went, that's not true. I was like, just ask the lads. All the lads didn't say anything. They turned on me and I got kicked out. Didn't do my mock. Hence, I failed. They sold me short very quickly, which is which is fair. What else was there? There was Mr. Kenny's mental breakdown. Doesn't work in the school anymore. A former art teacher and history teacher. He comes into class and goes, okay, guys, um, who's got their homework? Take out your hardbacks. And I don't know why this happened, but I'd say only about two or three people out of the 24, 25 in the class had done their homework. And he goes, okay, whoever. He's like, David, do you have your homework done? And he's like, no. And he goes, well, Richie, do you have your homework done? I was like, no. And he goes, oh, typical. I went, well, uh, and then he just changes his tone. You can see he's visibly distressed, visibly pissed off. Ask someone else, um, whoever, Adam, do you have your homework done? And he's like, no. And then he goes, oh, lads. And all of us kind of start laughing. And then he just snaps. I've had it. I've had enough. I've had enough. I was like, Richie, you didn't do it, did you? I was like, no. And he goes, oh, and that's just great. Then just completely lost all control. And I was like, I don't care if your grandma ate your homework. You have just spurned. I think he's meant to say spurned, but he said spurned all your chances. 
So three or four of the lads found that amusing. He kicked them out, started screaming at people. So he basically picked on me as well. He's just like, and of course you don't have your homework done, Richie. And I pointed out, I was like, sorry, about 20 other people don't have their homework done. He started screaming at people. And you could see that he had lost his emotion so much that like halfway through his rant, I think he realized, shit, I've completely lost it here. I've completely lost it. He gets to the end of his rant and then he goes, guys, I'm sorry, but I've just, I've ran out of patience. And immediately, once he said that, I immediately thought of the uh, take that song, Patience. So he goes, guys, I'm sorry, I just, I've ran out of patience. And then I just go, have a little patience. And he goes, get out, you idiot, get out. And he kicks me out and gave me Saturday detention. But like, that's one of the times where you're like, I'm happy to take detention. Give it to me. I'm happy. Have a little patience. Have a little patience. But that's still one to this day. I'll never forget. <laughs> I've, I've run out of patience. Have a little patience. <laughs> and it kicks me out. But yeah. When teachers really lose it, they lose it. And another example would be my old history teacher. Doesn't work. He's retired now. He hated me. And to put this in, uh, this ties into two stories. So like parent-teacher meetings were always a big thing. And my parents used to dread going, whether it was for me and my two brothers. And my dad would have to bring like an A4 sheet uh, folder or holder, I should say. And he had to take notes because they said so much terrible stuff. He actually had to take notes. It wasn't like, oh, he's a good student. He's a good student, blah, blah, blah. It's this guy's a disgrace. Your son is terrible, blah, blah, blah. But there was this old history teacher who was evil, but he was a teacher nonetheless. And I remember in the upper study, this was like a week before a parent-teacher meeting, and the teacher didn't like me and I didn't like the teacher. It was just a mutual agreement we had with each other. And I just kept making noises, just the, mm. and he knew it was me. And he kept looking over to me in the upper study as being quite disruptive, being a bit of a dickhead. And at the end, he kind of makes eye contact with me and goes, Mr. Allen, come over here. And I was like, yeah, yeah. He goes, listen, I'm just saying, if I see you, in a public place outside of the school walls, I'd fucking kill you. And I was like, what? And he goes, no, I'm serious now. I'd fucking kill you. And I kind of was staring at this man in his eyes. He was filled with rage. And I was thinking, what in God's name am I meant to do? I'm like a third year and my teacher's more or less screaming at me, threatening to kick me in the face if he sees me in a public area. But fast forward a week, parent-teacher meetings, my dad and mother go, and they come back and they go through us. It, it's not a not a pleasant uh, read. And lo and behold, the last person they went to was this history teacher. And my dad was reading out being like, Matt's a lot of potential, but needs to work harder. He was like, English applies himself well. Geography, a lot of work to do. Business, it's like, should perhaps consider doing a lower level. And then he was like, in history, history was the most interesting 
one minute conversation I've ever had at a parent teacher meeting. So I was like, hmm, this could be interesting, considering the guy said he wanted to kill me. And my dad then just throws the A4 thing on the kitchen table and goes, your history teacher, all he had to say was, uh, Mrs. Allen, Mr. Allen, about your son, I would just like to say he's quite frankly the worst human being I have ever met in my entire life. And that's all he said. That was it. That was the conclusion of that parent-teacher meeting. And my dad was like, in all my years of parenting, I've never seen a teacher look so angry and disgusted. And he was like, I was ashamed to be your father right then and there. But yeah, I'll never forget that. Like he, he fully threatened to kill me if he saw me in a public place. And I haven't seen him in a public place since. So that's maybe why I'm still alive to this day. Um, but yeah, what else was there? As I said, parent-teacher meetings. Rag day was hilarious. So sixth year, you obviously do your thing at the end of the year. And a week before the end, we had our last lower study, like evening study thing. And uh, me and Dennis Coulson had a wrestling match in which I walked in wearing a DX t-shirt and a scream mask. And I just casually walked into the lower study. There's a video that, video of this on Facebook. And I walked into the middle and I'd say half of the people spotted me. The other half were too busy trying to educate themselves. And then suddenly John Cena's entrance music hits. Dennis came in and yeah, proceeded to choke slam me and hit me with steel chair shots and what can be only described as one of the greatest two and a half minute wrestling matches of all time. But following on from that, we were like, oh, what are we going to do for rag day? It's only in a week. Got to go off, go off with a bang. And I remember I came up with the idea. I was like, why don't we go to this pond? So there's like this pond in the back of the school that more or less half of the classrooms overlook like the windows overlook. And they were like, oh, yeah, we could do that. So I uh, borrowed a wetsuit off one of the lads. Um, it was me, Dennis, and Nick Dorsey. And the, we kind of had these, not costumes, but we had these get-ups. I think Dorsey had a donut to put into the pond and stuff like that. So we were getting changed at the pavilion in the showers. And I'll never forget it. So we're getting changed. The school's on high alert. And our year head <laughs> pops his head into the showers and is like, lads, what's going on here? And we were like, like, I'm fully halfway into a wetsuit, by the way, looking terrible. Like, ugh, what did I look like? I don't know, a melted banana, perhaps? And I'm there just like midway through pulling it up my leg. And he was like, lads, what's going on here? And we were like, um, oh, there's a PE class. And we just thought it'd be funny if we went as in a fancy dress so our six year head goes ah yeah sure whatever that's harmless so he goes back to teach the thing is to get to the pond you have to go walk by his classroom and the windows so no word of a lie about three minutes later we're walking towards the pond and we walk by his class and you can just see him turn his head to the right and see us walking towards the pond and he's just shaking his head in disappointment as if to be like you idiots you lying idiots but um yeah we ended up going and then doing like a wrestling match for six or seven minutes in front of pretty much the entire school i got fu'd onto the grass i got chucked into this horribly polluted pond i split the bottom of my foot open had to go to the hospital and get like antiseptic wipes and had to take this like tablet 
Um, but that it was gas. Like the video is up somewhere on Facebook. It's it's absolutely hilarious because you have teachers and students just staring, cheering it on as if it was a WrestleMania main event. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of weight being thrown around, and it was uh, it was tough going. But yeah, like I'm trying to think, like rag day wrestling study like another good story i can think of was in irish class in sixth year and fair playmo who didn't really want to do sixth year at all um i remember in class we used to just kind of everyone used to slag each other and that's one thing i liked about michael's was everyone slagged each other so whether you were the most popular, least popular, smartest, dumbest, everyone got slagged. Someone slagged you about something. No one was safe. You have to be thick-skinned. But anyway, for playing was getting slagged and eventually threw his pencil case. Well, actually, it wasn't his pencil case. He threw a pencil case at me. And the teacher goes, Eamon, you can't do that. Get out of the class. And then he goes, no. And she goes, get out of the class. Get out go down to your head and I'll be down after the, this class finishes. And he goes, are you really kicking me out of class? And the teacher was like, yeah, go down to the six year year head and wait there and I'll see you after class. So, hey, Mo, well, sorry, fair play, Mo, struts out of class and our classroom was backing onto the car park and fair play, Mo goes down and lo and behold, a minute after he gets kicked out of the class and was meant to go down to six year head. At this stage, Fair Play had a Mercedes that he used to drive to school. <laughs> and we're in class and all you hear is just like a door close. And we're like, what's that? And then all you hear is the ignition. And we all then look out the back window and we see Fair Play getting into the bar. <laughs> And he bombs it out of the school, just in the middle of the school day. <laughs> the teacher's just like, what the hell? And there's nothing that could be done. Absolutely nothing. Just had to let it go. Um, and yeah, like stuff like that. I'm trying to think. Like with Irish class, I remember one time I skipped... So everyone skips a class once in their life, at least once. Some people skip school. Some people don't go to school, whatever. But there was a class in which I was in third year. I went to the toilets instead of going to class and watched Ferris Bueller's day off for 40 minutes. And at the end of it, I unplugged my earphones. And a bit like a horror film, I can just see two feet at the uh, opposite side of the cubicle door and I kind of was like they're not they're not lad shoes they look like teacher shoes and my Irish teacher at the time goes Richie open the door and I was like um no thank you open the fucking door starts banging on him so I opened it to find my Irish teacher going what the hell are you doing and I was like um I felt sick Let's just say that excuse didn't hold up well. She um, put me on detention, and rightfully so. Fierce Bueller's day off, good film, but probably not worth the hassle of going in on a Saturday morning. 
But yeah, like back to my point on slags, like anything, like I'm still slagged today for what I said in first year, second year, sorry. I was in Tesco, walked in, saw Tesco Largo was on sale for like 64 cent. And I went to one of the lads. I went, oh, lads, see Tesco Larga there. It's only like 64 cents. And that's incredible price. And that developed into Tesco Larga. I love Tesco Larga. And it became such a running gag that I'd have to down cans of Tesco Larga regularly in order for uh, my slag to be fulfilled. So, like, I remember even the Marion Centre, which is a institution and so vital for every Michaels uh, student, like Cole, the big fat ginger guy, he was a security guard, and he'd come up when you were kind of messing around the checkouts, and he'd be like, lad said, uh, you want to step away from the checkouts, do you? And, like, sometimes people would be partial to trying to steal things. And I remember a f- friend of mine wanted to, he tried to nick a chocolate donut, and he ate it on his way to the checkout. And then Cole came out of nowhere and goes, do you like chocolate donuts, do you? And my mate knew the buzz was up. Uh, he got off scoffery in the end, but he had to pay for the donut. Um, 250 cheers in the Nutley News Agents. So Mumsy, I think his name is. Um, me, Nick Torres, and Steve Harrell used to go into the Nutley News Agents and we used to try buy enough food that would equate to 250. 250 euro because once he if he did that we'd honestly would just laugh in his face so whenever we got a 250 he'd just be like yeah cherry milk seven up grand yeah that's uh 250 there cheers and lo and behold that nickname i think still sticks with him today and he's like 30 but yeah it shows the the class of a good slag it's timeless um but yeah, oh, the, speaking of toilets, so I was saying there that the Irish, I spent the class in the toilets. The St. Michael's College toilets are one of the most barbaric places on earth. So to give you an example, like the actual things in there, the sinks and stuff all work, all function well, toilet seats, blah, blah, blah. In my day, you'd walk in and like, you'd find, number one, there'd be piss all over the floor. Number two, you'd go into a cubicle. People, like, I don't even know why, but, like, people would shit on the toilet seats. People would shit on the floor. Come up, please. Ooh. This is a bucket of shit. If someone throws shit at us, we throw shit back at them. We start a shit fight. It also got to the stage where the soap dispenser and the toilet roll dispenser were viable places for people to take shits. No word of a lie. So the soap dispenser over the over the sinks. One stage, at one stage, there was just a massive shit in the soap dispenser. Because you know the way in some soap dispensers you can see truth. So in this, you're like, hang on, that's not the pink soap I use. Hang on, that's that's quite literally someone's shit. So uh, number one, someone would have to squat on top of the sinks in the middle of the toilet take a shit i don't know how i don't know what time they did it i don't know how they executed it um and as i said like you'd be they'd be just they are filthy i don't know what they're like now i haven't been in them in years several years but like back in my day it was quite (laughs) it was it was an absolute disgrace it was an absolute disgrace to the wider community 
and also the poor janitors who had to clean it on a regular basis. It was disgraceful. I don't even know how, like, who goes into a cubicle and goes, right, you know what? The toilet seat seems like a good destination for this shit. Like, I couldn't get over that. I really just could not get over it. I'm trying to think, oh, PE class, someone was asking me, what what was that like? It was brilliant. Like, you'd, if you didn't play football, double football was the way to go. Uh, we used to sometimes do Donnybrook runs. So for anyone not uh, accustomed to that, you basically run up the N11, down Nutley Avenue, up Aylesbury, and that would be basically one. And sometimes like a teacher would be like, yeah, so lads, we're doing a Donnybrook run today. And sometimes the class would be like, no, we're not. We're playing football. There's not a chance I am doing a Donnybrook run. Are you insane? The funny thing about the Donnybrook run, I remember once me and Nick Torsty hid in the Marion Center. Um, so it takes about 10, 15 minutes to do one lap. And we hid in the Marion Center, then kind of walked near enough to where we'd finish. And after like the first, we saw one guy running and turns out he was actually from a different PE class. So we were like, oh, the lads must be uh, starting to come back. Let's run in and uh, pretend we did it. Turns out we did it in like record time. We came back after like eight minutes and our PE teacher was just like, sorry, lads, like you you two fat lads just did not do it in eight minutes. <laughs> so we got completely stung for that. But it was it was it was a learning curve, so to speak. Um I'm trying to think what else I have down here. There isn't a huge amount. Um the common room, people were asking about the antics in the common room. The common room, like, it, not much happens apart from people used to make terrible food. Connor Duffy used to use the toasty machine for ham and cheese toasties, stank up the place. Um, people just get slagged. People were on the speakers, which was mostly terrible music. Um, they've actually had to black out the windows because it used to be like caged chimps so we would wait by the windows and any parents that were at all good looking would get screamed at like people would be screaming out the window at mothers bringing their eight-year-olds to school it was disgraceful um the infamous squares as well so that's just we would go out in the tennis court rather than studying and play squares on a tennis court with a football. Like that was partner squares. Like that is quite literally one of the best games of all time. If if there was a profession in squares and like you could make a, a good enough income off that, people would do that. I'm serious. People would fully play squares rather than the traditional Michael's route of being a professional rugby player. Squares would be the way to go. But yeah, like I don't really have time to get into stuff like Wes, um, Halloween. I'll have to leave that to another another podcast. But like some of the short questions I got, like your top five energizers that Michaels have seen. Off the top of my head, I went for myself, obviously. I went for Charles Chizzo Larrigan. Mikey Andreessen, who's now got a cult following after that uh, video of him doing that pre-game 
kind of analysis of Gonzaga and Michaels came up. We have a ferocious pack, one of the fittest you'll ever see. Um, Amy McFeely and Rex Ryan, I think. They're, that's a good five from an energizer's point of view. Who is my favorite teacher, Michaels? I'd say either Dave Wilson or Greg McWilliams. Um, favorite school other than Michaels? I hated and loved BlackRock. Hated them because they were they were actually terrible at rugby up until when it actually mattered in uh, the Senior Cup uh, year, in which they had the last laugh. But um, no, they had some good good people there, and they kind of were the bane of our existence. So it's good to have keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. They say uh, best year in school has to be fourth year. I remember we went 17 weeks in a row where there's a free gaff every weekend. And that that was quite literally the pinnacle of my senior school career. 17 weeks in a row, uninterrupted, no hiccups, gaff every week. I don't know what the parents were up to. I don't know why they were all away, but it happened. Multiple houses, multiple venues, great nights, all the same. Um, describe Michaels in three words. An organized circus. Yeah, that more or less wraps it up. I'm going to do loads of impressions now. So for my patrons, you can enjoy it. For anyone else, I'm going to have to leave you here. And as I said, if you want to hear them, uh, subscribe to my Patreon account.